Hi, I'm Rob Vanstone, and welcome to the 23rd, 24th, or 25th edition of the Leader Post Rider Rumblings podcast. That was the Leader Post Philharmonic Orchestra, uh, entertaining you as always. But we we have even better entertainment this week. The youngest podcast of all the ones we've done. Murray McCormick's on holidays. He's on assignment uh, to parts unknown. Uh, so <laughs> I have with me two fine young gentlemen who are all uh, try, try to prop me up for the next hour or two. I love the Philharmonic, too. Is spared, you guys are like uh, Jurassic World, spared no expense. Yeah, it's you know, no expense in... either, unfortunately. <laughs> Am I in Murray's chair? You're in Murray's chair. This is a big responsibility. I just realized that when I was... I'm like, wait, wait, that's where the guest sits. This is Murray's chair. I feel Can some pressure. Can you feel the uh, the dents in it? Or what's that? It's like, <laughs> no, I just... It's, yeah. like, it's like a shoe that fits... Big uh, expectations. Uh, yeah, well, uh, it won't be hard to meet them. Uh, <laughs> this is uh, Darren Dupont. Thank you, Darren, for being with us this yeah, week. Thanks for having me. And for occupying the, the dreaded chair. Uh, Derek Myers. Thank you, Derek, for yeah. taking some time this week. This is fantastic being on the other side from you now. Yeah. Um, it's uh, The lights are still bright. Yeah, they are. Uh, I'm still not bright, so I don't hold out a lot of hope, but we'll uh, we'll try and muddle through this as we can. I This is so woefully unscripted, my fault, that... Uh, we're just free we're just going to freestyle this and talk about all things all things Saskatchewan Rough Riders and uh I mean there's a million places to go mm-hmm. uh clinching a home playoff game that's a pretty momentous thing I I personally did not envision this week 7 of the season week 5 of the season <laughs> week 3 of the season yeah. um it's an amazing thing that they've done uh I'll just throw this out there how have they done this it's incredible, really. And you're right. You talked about some of those tough weeks. And did we think this was ever even possible for the Riders to clinch a home playoff game and have a 12-win season? But we know how good the defense has been. It's been absolutely lights out. But Zach Caleros has been very good when he's he's come back. He's been everything they've needed him to be. Um, enough to be able to, you know, keep this team rolling but it's been all defense obviously we've talked about is it 15 defensive and special teams touchdowns so far this season um by far i think that the number one unit across the cfl um and then just timely plays too um chris jones has done a really good job we often talk about how good he is at, at uh, making adjustments at halftime in games you think the Riders maybe don't deserve to win or haven't played very well at in the first half, and they've they've had a really good second half. So a lot of credit's got to go to Chris Jones and his staff. He's he's really um, hasn't wavered from where he took over this team and, and the way it's grown year over year to get to this point. Um, it's been pretty exciting to watch. And he hasn't wavered despite the objections of some. He's faced criticism from me, from others. From everybody, and, and, I think, yeah. And not unfairly a lot of the time but you look at the ultimate results and what he has done a home playoff game in year three still the prospect of finishing first in the west Mm -hmm. division which i don't think a lot of people were uh anticipating after the 31 nothing loss in winnipeg especially uh what chris john what chris jones has done has been it's taken a little longer than perhaps some people would have liked, but look where they are now. It's hard to argue with the with the results, and there's still more to come. He he's stuck with with his plan, and he hasn't let anything outside that you know waver. And when you say how did it happen, how did they get to this point? Well, you know, look no further than than their record in the West, seven and three versus the West. They didn't lose a series to any of the teams. They tied with Edmonton, and they won the series against Winnipeg, BC, and Calgary. I mean that that is massive, and that comes a long ways from when. Chris Jones took over a couple of years ago. It seems they couldn't get a victory against the West. And so how did that happen? The depth, and especially the depth on, on, on defense. I mean, guys go down. There's guys out there playing. Cameron Judge, Sam Hurl. You, you don't even hear, hardly hear their name called. 
But they're contributing out there. Zach Evans, the Canadians, are really contributing. And then you get the Antiguas. You know, a Guavin goes down, doesn't matter. Charleston Hughes is suspended for a game, doesn't matter. You beat Calgary. It's the depth of this team that wasn't there when Chris Jones took over. And so I think a lot of the nod has to go to Chris Jones, the general manager, even though that first year, I mean, they had a lot of people through the turnstiles. It was like Disneyland. But uh, now you take a look at it, and now it seems to be paying off. And the roster moves aren't as big you know they're they're in there's a few guys out um you, you see trey mason go down here in the last game uh, against bc well yeah that, that's too bad marcus thigpen's waiting in the winds you know he's built the depth up and i think that is the biggest key as to how they got to where they are with 12 and 6 i was gonna say that i remember when they had 100 players come oh, in and out of this yeah. team and everyone was said it's too and that was just after practice yeah, yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only the only guy around was evan fornwald that didn't get a call back i think that was a few years ahead <laughs> but it was just insane and everyone crazy. thought what, like what is he doing but he was just setting the foundation for the next couple of seasons and now we're seeing the results and i think it's it's been a bit of a different scenario each year in terms of how long it's taken for things to crystallize. But even you look at each of the three years and you can see the evolution right. even within the season. The first year they went one and 10 and yep. what a success that was. But then they won four in a row and you could see things happening. And during that span, a cornerstone arrived, Willie Jefferson. And you could, that was one, of, that was one of the real catalysts for everything that's happening. Now, Willie Jefferson shows up in the fall of 2016. Last year they were 0 and 2, 1 and 3, 2 and 4. And they were one play away from the, getting to the Grey Cup this year. Uh, they were one and two. They were three and four. They lost thirty-one nothing in Winnipeg. There was panic, uh, and now look at them. They just there's there's building blocks in place each year. And if you look over the three years, you can see the the evolution of it. But even within each season, you see that happening as well. Yeah, it's unbelievable to see that happen. But the building blocks are important, right? Willie Jefferson's been huge. And we talk about where you build your, your team around that everybody can just compliment, right? And we've seen it on the offensive line with Brandon Labatt shuffling over now and he's mm-hmm. taking snaps. And what are they, three weeks into that kind of revamped offensive line? Well, they were fantastic in the game against BC. And when Zach Galeros went down and you needed some sustainability to be able to run the ball and, and, and control the clock a little bit, that offensive line combined with Cameron Marshall, I think they were a real big difference maker to be able to you know get get out of that game with a win and in that situation i think the true mark of a running game or the true the best evaluative tool of a running game is when the other team knows you're going to run can they stop you and that's all that was going to happen with bridge yeah that was all that was going to happen and and uh right after bc narrowed the gap to 32 16 with about nine minutes left okay it's still a pretty pretty healthy lead but that's two scores and this is a cfl right hand off to two back-to-back runs by cameron marshall for 16 and 15 yards and everybody in the park knew they were going to run. Well, the air went off the BC sidelines. It. it was that was done. And and again, uh, you know, you, you talk. Did Cameron I say Marshall? Brandon Marshall? No, Cam- you say Cameron okay, Marshall. Good. Brandon Marshall, I think, is a free agent now, isn't he? <laughs> My Broncos uh, ties started worrying me. I think, uh, yeah. Did I say Brandon Marshall? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so yeah, Cameron Marshall comes in, does that. You know, there's another guy. You know, where, where's this guy been? Now, oh, you know, he's he's been battling in the injury. He comes back. He looks great. Tyler Caprini goes down in in preseason. Brett Lothar, like, scrap heap. The guy has been all over the place. Scrap heap. Brings him out, 90% on the season. I mean, unbelievable the run he was on. And he's missed a couple down the stretch here. Long ones, so be it. But, I mean, you don't really worry. You expect that it's going to be made, not one of those ones like closing your eyes and thinking, oh, God, where's this? You know, are they going to return this one for a touchdown? No, you just expect that Lothar's going to get it. And I, again, I, I do have to begrudgingly give the credit to to Chris Jones, the general manager, because for a long time I said, 
We know Chris Jones can coach in this league. That's not the question. But can he be a general manager for the first couple of years? Yeah, I mean, there was times when you really wondered what was going on. Some of the names that were, you know, rumored to be coming up here. Uh, some players, you know, the Greg Hardy situation. I mean, Why would you kinda, bring Khalif Mitchell here? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like some that. of those ones. And, and you're kind of scratching your head. But now you start to see things happen. You know, Justin Cox gets in trouble with the law immediately. He's released. Um, Charleston Hughes, you know, eventually they got that right. Some of those things that matter to the community. And then the most important part to the, to the GM, what happens on the field? 12 and 6. I mean, you can't argue with 12 and 6. I don't care how you get there. You can't argue with it. Yeah, and I mean, they haven't won more than 12 games since 1970. So I'm the only exactly. person, I'm the only yes, person on are. this panel who was alive when they won more than I'm 12 games. I'm not sure you could combine Darren and my ages to get to no, you <laughs> yeah, get you back could. to But if you combine your weight, you don't get to my number either. <laughs> <laughs> so but, we're, but so we're done. This is over. You know, and, and there, you know, when you think back, sure, there was close games that, that, that could have went the other way. But, man, you think back to that early game and how they just stunk the joint out against Montreal. I mean, this season could have had 13-5 written all over yeah, it. Yeah, they'd be in, they would, first place would, would, be, would be theirs. Would be done now. You know, and... Uh, Still might be. You don't Still know, might You be. don't know that everything else subsequent to the Montreal right. game would have unfolded as it did. Because results of games dictate certain actions. You can't just presume everything else right. would be the same. But... I think oh it's safe to say losing to Montreal is one of those ones that comes back to haunt you. I, you look back or was to the wake up call. You know, it maybe it maybe it helped because they won, they went they beat Hamilton back to back after that. I believe so, yeah. But you have those games in two thousand and three. They were the only t- only team to lose to the Hamilton Tiger Cats. If they won, <laughs> that one in seventeen. If, if they'd won that game, they would have had a home playoff game. Yeah, you know those ones kind of come back to haunt you after a while. You know, in two thousand and five, they lost the Ottawa Red Blacks twice and Ottawa pardon me Ottawa Renegades twice and Ottawa had such a great season in 2005 that they folded afterwards <laughs> and that cost them the home playoff game 2004 they lost three times to a Winnipeg team that lost, that won seven games all year no home playoff game yeah. Yeah. Uh, the year before they were jinxed against a bad Edmonton team and and again cost them a home playoff game so those little yeah but but it's how they've responded I mean you look at the the Calgary games. Have, the, the the wins at the Calgary games yeah. have been dominant. Those weren't just wins. They've been do- sorry about that. <laughs> trying to rip your headphones off. <laughs> They've been dominant. Our technology. In those games. Yeah. Be, be careful with our technology. Uh, and, and to do it in a, in a fashion with you know the, the the last Calgary game, there was a lot swirling around this team when it when it come to the Charleston Hughes incident. They just had their pants pulled down in Winnipeg. You know there was there was a lot kind of swirling around, and to go in there and put hang that performance. On the best team at the time in the league, I mean that was impressive. You're that right, was Rob. Stunning. Yeah, you know. it, it's all about the process, right? I mean, we look at the results, the whether it's the Montreal game or games against Ottawa or the or the the Winnipeg game. We look at those results and we're like, okay, well, if we would have won those, here's a home playoff game. If we would have done this, we would have done that. But really, it, it's about making sure the process is is moving in the right direction to make sure you're ready for this time of year for the playoffs. And I think that Chris Jones has got the guys ready. We've seen that, the bounce back, you know, in Calgary, the ability to play with everybody in this league. But now you have to see that, you know, you often look at it, it's a, it's a golf term, right? Don't tell me how good your good shots are. I want to know how bad your bad shots are. And at this time of year, the bad has to be very, very small, right? So we have to see consistency and not the big swings up and down that we've seen at times throughout the year, but it's starting to be ironed out. One of the, unlike the shirt, unfortunately, <laughs> um, had to get that in. I'm wearing. I see you like, got the old the, course the, shirt. What's the crest? Yeah, yeah. it's uh, the old course in St. Andrews. 
I've worn it a lot more than I've ever golfed. But uh, um, you and Tiger Woods have something in common. Then you both uh, both wear an old course shirt at some time. Yes, uh, that is where it stops, and especially especially <laughs> in terms of income and, <laughs> yeah. and general appeal. Um, you know, you look at um, the the way that it seems that when they've lost, they've responded well, and yeah. sometimes you know. I'm not sure it's all bad necessarily to have it handed to you every now and then because then there's nowhere to hide and then you have to address whatever deficiencies actual or perceived mm-hmm. there are. You have to look in the mirror. Sometimes a, w- a win can camouflage a bad game. But when you when you lose 31 nothing in Winnipeg, when you, when you lose to Montreal, maybe it helps you as a coach, as a team, reinforce things and just gets you right back to the ground floor and then you start building. I, I, and maybe those were ultimately healthy. They sure didn't seem like it at the time. And, yeah. and to be quite honest, there there was some wins that I do think masked, you know, s- some pimples on this team. But, you know, being around the team enough, you see the Chris Jones, that's almost when he's going to go at them a little bit. You know, he's not going to let them get too high all the time. And he'll prop them up when they're low. Like, that, that is his coaching style. And you will see that. Like, he'll get on guys. And I'm sure he's just get just itching to get in there and point out what they did wrong in the BC game. You know, even though it was a game where they, for all intents and purposes, really handled BC up and down the field for the for the whole game, minus you know two plays by by Luches Purifoy. I mean, that game isn't even remotely close. Yeah. You know, and he had two bad plays and but, but three there, great returns after yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But but Jones, you know, I, I um, I think it was Ray Ferraro used to say. They were almost scared sometimes when they won when he's playing for the New York Islanders now Arbor because that's when they were going to get it. It's when they lost 7-1. Coach would come in and go, don't worry about it, guys. We'll get them next time. But they'd win, and he'd come in and just tear a strip off from about how, you know, and it, it, but, it, but it made them play harder, and right. it was just his style. And I think that happens here a little bit is, you know, they still get pointed out. There is some, there is some pimples. There is some warts. And, you know, all season long, the offense. Um, and then here we go down the stretch. They look pretty good. Before Zach Kolaris got hurt, they actually looked pretty decent in that game again. I've been often worried that, that that's something, you know, that has been plaguing Calgary over the years, right? No adversity. So then you don't deal with adversity until the Grey Cup. And when they get smacked in the mouth in the Grey Cup, you don't know how to deal with it. It's yeah. hard to raise and then they start backbiting level. and they don't know how to handle yeah. it. Yeah, so I mean, dealing with adversity before the playoffs, I think, is a good thing. Teaches you how, so when you get into those situations, you can come out of it. But is that a scary thing for Calgary right now? If you're the rest of the of the CFL, that they've gone through some adversity. The scary thing for me, if I'm Calgary, though, is that they haven't shown signs of coming out of it yet. So this week's going to be interesting. If they come in and they've put in the work and they really lay it on BC, you might be worried because this team's now gone through some adversity. Yeah. They've learned that, okay, we got to put in some work. We got to get back to it. And they could be dangerous come playoff Which, time because of it. Yeah, Which, sometimes you can ambush them in the playoffs, but... They've already had that. Now round. they've had it. So this which, is the difference. Which, which year was it the Riders lost like for their last five? But they, 2010. So it was 2010. And then they go to the Great Cup. Yeah. And I mean, it seemed like the house was falling in on top of you. Like they were just not playing well. They lost those four games going in. And then they go to the Great Cup. And I mean, you know, arguably in that game until the end, virtually. Right. Um, against Montreal. But against a very good Montreal Alouettes team. Um, so. I know there's momentum and there's swings and whatnot, but boy, oh boy, it just seems to come down. If you can get hot in a game, you can you can roll that game. You know, you think back to the West semifinal, 2013. You know, Darian Durant decides to take over that game. He takes over that game. They win that game and they go on to the Great Cup. That was the toughest playoff game they had all year. The yeah. first one, yeah, absolutely, it was. It it uh, one thing I think works in the Riders' advantage is the timing of this 
buy at the final week oh, of the regular massive. season. You not only from a recuperative standpoint, right? But from you give Chris Jones an extra week, that's dangerous. Now, if 